Welcome to Season 3 and another episode of Down Under Investigations, The Truth. You are about to hear from Simon, our host, who has well over 20 years experience in the private investigation industry. Simon leads the team at Down Under Investigations who are committed to professionalism, integrity and their ability to get results for their clients. Our podcast will open up the truth about the world of private investigation, discussing real-life case studies, the latest news, cutting-edge surveillance and skip-tracing techniques, plus legal issues and support. So stay with us as we join Simon now. There's an intriguing story breaking out of Texas in the USA. A missing man named Rudy Farias. He's 25 years old and he was found at a church about 15 kilometres away from where he used to live in Texas. See, the family of the Texas man said Monday he'd been missing for over eight years. He was found by a good Samaritan but unresponsive. Tim Miller, who's an investigator for the local search and rescue organisation, said that he'd been missing since he was 17 years old. And thank God he's alive. I mean, this is one of them miracles that you don't experience very often. We started out at, uh, at his house where he disappeared from, where he was walking his dogs, and I'll never forget finding his backpack out in this empty lot field and stuff. And... He was last seen walking his dogs down their street. His family released a statement through a non-profit organisation on Monday to share more information about his condition. What we do know is at the time of his recovery, a good Samaritan located him unresponsive and immediately called police and 911, the family said. My son Rudy is receiving the care he needs to overcome his trauma, but at this time he is non-verbal and not able to communicate with us. Thrace family also said in its statement that it would share more details as Rudy continues to heal. The Texas Centre for the Missing said he is currently in hospital for treatment and assessment. They said, We are thankful that Rudy has been found and receiving the care he needs. Melissa Rangel, a case manager for the centre, said via email that the family is asking for privacy. She also said, Such a rare discovery is an event families of the missing ache for, even if the story is not finished. When a loved one goes missing, this is the day that all families hope for and dream for. Reunification. In 2015, a private investigator named Brenda Paradise revealed that he was suffering from depression when he went missing. Paradise was hired by the Farias family. He'd just watched his best friend die in front of him, she said. His brother was his best friend in the world. He'd just gone through so much more than anyone his age ever would. When a loved one goes missing, this is the day all families hope for and dream of, she said. Rudy's family is excited. Excited. I mean, they are over the moon. They're excited. Local police also said they did not suspect foul play. See, when someone goes missing... You've got to think the family and the friends, there's always hope. They always hold on to hope that a situation like this may happen where they will turn up and they will be found. And they will be found alive. You can imagine the heartbreak for years and years and the anguish and the pain that the family went through. Thinking, hoping, praying for this day to arrive where they've been reunited with their son after eight years. 
And if you're the family and friends of someone who has gone missing, our heart does go out to you. Our thoughts are with you. Our prayers are with you. Because that would be the hardest, hardest situation to be with, where there isn't that closure yet. There isn't that finality. Uh, There isn't that answer to the many, many questions that you'd be asking. But in this situation, eight years later, we've had a great outcome. Fantastic result. So good to hear this news out of Texas. We're going to change pace now. Here's our question of the day, your favorite segment. And this one comes from Yvette from Pakenham. Yvette asks, I think my teenage daughter is lying to me about where she goes after school. How can I find out the truth? Well, surveillance is a useful tool, background checks, talking to other parents and that sort of thing. We don't really encourage surveillance when it comes to children. However, unless you're adamant they're putting themselves in danger, that's obviously an option. But what we want to talk about in response to your question is just the best ways that you can find out the truth, the best ways you can find out what's going on by speaking to your daughter directly. Because whether it's family or personal relationships, professional settings, or even casual encounters, the truth is valuable. Is a spouse being 100% honest? Is a child, like this situation, hiding something from you? Does a business associate seem a little untrustworthy? Is a potential slash future partner telling you the truth? There are so many scenarios where obtaining an honest answer is vital. However, it's not always easy to elicit complete honesty from others. So we want to talk about five effective ways to encourage individuals to reveal the truth. With these techniques, you can foster open communication and build trust in various situations. Firstly, you need to establish a safe and non-judgmental environment. Creating a safe space is crucial when attempting to extract the truth from someone. You'll see police do it all the time in those police interviews. They'll give them cigarettes and drinks and put them in a comfortable chair, make sure the temperature's right, do everything they can to ensure that the person feels comfortable by maintaining non-judgmental attitude. And obviously, Yvette, we don't encourage you to give your teenage daughter cigarettes, but um, you know that's just an example. You need to show empathy and understanding. You need to assure them that their honesty will be met with respect and support. This approach does reduce defensiveness and encourages openness. And one note, don't overreact when they do start revealing things. When we overreact, we make a person feel extremely unsafe and this will cause barriers to go up and the truth to be hidden. Number two, you want to be an active listener and observer. Listen attentively and observe non-verbal clues. We've talked about this in a previous podcast, our last podcast actually. Give your undivided attention to the person speaking. Maintain eye contact and nodding to signal understanding. Observe their body language, noting signs of discomfort, nervousness, or inconsistencies between verbal and non-verbal clues. This active engagement signals your genuine interest in understanding their perspective. Here's one little note on that. 
mimic their posture. If they're leaning in, maybe lean in towards them. If they're looking away, not, you know, making full eye contact, maybe just gaze away as well. If you are mimicking their posture, they're going to feel like you're understanding what they're saying and they can be a bit more open and honest. Number three, build rapport and trust. You want to build a strong rapport with an individual because that significantly increases the likelihood of them telling the truth. Develop a relationship based on trust and mutual respect. And I'm sure you've tried this over the years with your daughter, Yvette, but I'll encourage you, spend time connecting with her. Find common interests, shared interests and experiences and involve yourself in things that she's interested in. Engage in active conversation beyond the specific matter at hand to establish a foundation of trust, making them more inclined to be honest with you. Number four, ask open-ended questions. When seeking the truth, ask open-ended questions, and that's the most powerful tool. Such questions encourage detailed responses and prevent simple yes or no answers. Phrase your inquiries in a non-confrontational manner. Allow the person to share their thoughts and feelings freely. Open-ended questions prompt introspection and provide an opportunity for the person to express themselves fully. So don't just ask, did you go here? Did you go there? Ask, how was your day? What have you been up to? Have you been spending time with many friends? You know, open-ended questions. You don't want to be confrontational and asking yes and no questions because they're the easiest times for someone to lie to you. And number five, utilize empathy and emotional appeal. Appeal to a person's emotions and that way you can uncover the truth. Employ empathy to understand their perspective and emotions related to the situation. Share your own experiences where relevant. Help them connect on a deeper level. By demonstrating genuine empathy and concern and understanding, you can create an emotional connection that encourages the person to be more forthcoming. And here's just one bonus. Pick the right time to bring up a topic to gather the truth from someone. Confronting someone in the wrong time when they may be tired, distracted, disengaged, stressed about other things is not the best time. You want to find a moment when you've got a connection, when you're feeling like this is the moment where you can bring up a tough conversation, bring up a topic that you know that it's going to create some waves. You've got to pick your moment, pick your time. While eliciting the truth from someone may not always be a straightforward process, these five techniques can significantly increase your chances of obtaining honest responses. If you're fostering a safe environment, you're practicing active listening, you're building rapport, building trust, and asking open-ended questions, and also appealing to emotions, you can establish effective communication channels that promote honesty and transparency. Remember, approaching the truth, seeking process with empathy and respect is crucial to maintaining strong relationships and building a foundation of trust. So we want to say thank you to Yvette for your question today. We hope this helps you build a situation with your daughter where she can be honest and trustworthy and she can tell you the truth. Keep being a great mum. And that's our question of the day. Yvette, your prize is on its way to you. 
Thank you very much. Do you have a question for Simon and the team at Down Under Investigations? We are running a questions of the day competition. If your question gets answered by Simon on the podcast, we will send you a prize value at $100. To send in your question, simply use the contact page on our website at www.downunderinvestigations.com or email info at downunderinvestigations.com. We've certainly talked in previous episodes about the technicalities of process serving and the procedures and how to get documents served. But today we want to talk about the top 10 qualities you need as a process server in Australia. Because getting documents served is relatively straightforward, but being a great process server requires a unique set of skills, attributes, and this is what we look for in our team. Number one is diligence. A process server must be diligent in their work, ensuring that legal documents are delivered accurately and within specified timelines. This can mean early starts, late nights, and making sure you're doing a little bit extra to get documents served. Number two, communication skills. Strong communication skills are essential for effectively interacting with clients, legal professionals, and the individuals that we're serving with legal papers. It's definitely vital when speaking with a defendant or their colleague, particularly when there are language barriers or mental deficiencies. Number three, professionalism. Process servers must maintain a high level of professionalism at all times. As they're representing the legal system, they must conduct themselves accordingly. Being a representative of not only down under investigations, but the many law firms that we represent, means each process server must present in a professional manner on every file. Number four, attention to detail. Paying close attention to details is crucial to ensure that legal documents are served correctly and that you're avoiding any potential legal complications. Our team should be able to read and understand legal documents. There's obviously occasions when our servers and teams notice mistakes on documents or documents are incomplete. And on these occasions, we politely and very humbly advise the lawyers so they can make amendments and corrections and the documents can be served with the correct attachments and in the correct order. Number five, organisation. Process servers regularly handle multiple cases at once, so organisational skills are vital to keep track of deadlines, addresses, relevant cases and every file that they've got on their list. Having the right equipment and being able to plan ahead is also a great asset to any process server. Number six, patience. Dealing with individuals who may not be receptive to receiving legal documents definitely requires patience and the ability to handle challenging situations with calmness and professionalism. Sometimes a result is obtained simply by being patient with a defendant. Sometimes you might be on the phone trying to obtain a new address And they'll go round and round in circles. But the more you just are patient and listen and listen to what they're saying and be patient, finally you will get the address from that person. Number seven, adaptability. Process servers encounter a variety of situations, locations while serving legal documents. Being adaptable and resourceful is a key to successfully completing a process server's tasks. Number eight, physical fitness. The role of a process server can involve a fair amount of walking, climbing stairs, long hours on the road. Therefore, physical fitness is important to handle the demands of the job. 
Sometimes you need to get out of a situation quite quickly. So being very quick on foot is an asset and having that physical fitness to back you up. Number nine, knowledge of legal procedures. A process server should have a good understanding of legal procedures and relevant laws. It's essential for a process server to navigate their work effectively and avoid any legal pitfalls or repercussions. And number 10, confidentiality. Process servers often deal with sensitive information, so maintaining strict confidentiality is crucial to ensure privacy and integrity of the legal process. If you're a gossiper, if you're a talker, then you will get found out. If you're talking about files and giving names and details on files to people who don't need to know, somewhere, somehow, that information will come back and bite you. And there you have it. That's the top 10 qualities we look for to be a process server in Australia. So whether you're considering a career in process serving or just curious about the requirements, these are the qualities that play a crucial role in successfully carrying out the responsibilities of a process server. We are certain that any law firm and lawyer expects these qualities in the process server that they trust to serve their legal documents. And we are of utmost gratefulness and thankfulness to the lawyers that trust us with their files. Some have trusted us for nearly 20 years. Some lawyers, they've used us for decades and we're extremely grateful and thankful and we love the relationship that we've built with them over the years. We would really appreciate if you would take the time to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Please also check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. If you'd like to get in touch with Simon and the Down Under Investigation team for any reason, please check out our website at www.downunderinvestigations.com or call 1300-849-007 or email info at downunderinvestigations.com. Thanks for listening.